one quick announcement for you before we bring up our speaker for tonight, and that is just for next week, we will not have dinner on Wednesday night or a service because it's the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, we will actually be preparing the meal all day Wednesday for Thanksgiving Day that we do here that you are all invited to. If you have nowhere else that you have to go, we would love to have you here on Thanksgiving Day. And if you do show up next Wednesday, we'll put you to work helping with the meal. So that was my one quick announcement. Pastor Lindy, if you'd please come up. It's my distinct pleasure. I want to pray over Lindy as she gets to share John chapter 4 with us tonight. So why don't you all extend your hands to her. So, Father, we just thank you for Lindy. We thank you for the gifts and talents that you've placed inside this wonderful woman. Father God, for the depth of knowledge that you've already given her. Lord, I just pray that you would increase that even now as she begins to unfold what you've spoken to her about John chapter 4. Father God, we just thank you for the revelation and the insight that it's going to bring to each of us personally as well. Father, we just thank you for your anointing resting on her, girding her up with strength right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, I've been out of town for a couple of weeks. My mother went on to be with the Lord, but she waited till I flew out there, so that was so nice of her. Um, so I've missed the last couple of weeks to hear uh, what was going on, so I was trying to pick up the messages online, and some of them aren't there um, to see where, um, where Marcus has taken you guys. So... I just love the way he teaches and the way Brian teaches and the depth and the revelation that is released. So, um, of course, I would, you know, would love to try to even be somewhere where they are in their teaching abilities, but we all have the same Holy Spirit, so I'll just blame it all on him. How's that sound? So, um, you guys probably know when you hear of, you know, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and, you know... Um, and what the Lord did with her and through her. And, and so I just want to take you on a little journey and dig a little bit deeper and open up some revelation. Is that okay? Okay. Because this isn't just about women. So I want to just lay it out there right now. Um, <laughs> just because it's an example of the woman at the well. This applies to man, to men, to children. It all has to do with that heart and where they've been through. So let's dig in. We'll just start in um, 4.1. So the Lord knew that the Pharisees, I love this, had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Although Jesus didn't do it himself, his disciples did. So Jesus heard that they heard. Now, he knows everything, right? Jesus knows everything. When he was walking this earth as man, he saw what the Father was doing. He heard what the Father was doing, and that's what he was doing. So whether he heard from the Father or whether he heard it among the people that, oh, wow, the Pharisees, you know what? They're coming after you. Well, Jesus wasn't afraid whatsoever. He has no fear, right? None, none. Not one bit of fear. So the way I see it is he's like the father saying, okay, it's time to go because I have another appointment for you. I have a date for you. I have a woman that's coming to the well that I want you to hang out with, that I want you to meet, that I want you to talk to. So Jesus left uh, Judea. He departed 
again, to Galilee. To Galilee. Now, it says in here, he had to go. He had to go to Samaria. Now, he really didn't have to. He could have went around, which a lot of people did. Now, if you know anything about Samaria, oh, the Jews and the Samaritans really despised each other. Um, they were like the scum of the earth to the Jews, in all honesty. They were like low life. They let um, idols into their land. They had mixed marriages. You know, this was, this was part of um, Israel, and then they split. So some people did not want to go there. Well, Jesus knew he had to go. He's like, oh, this is great, because he already saw. Remember in John 1 when he said to Nathaniel, yeah, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. He's like, oh, my gosh. Right, he already saw. He already saw. He already knew what was happening, just like he does with every single thing in your life. He already sees it. He already knows. He already knows. So they depart. He goes there um, to the well. I'm going to skip on down to uh, 4 7. So a woman of Samaria came to the well. So he sits there at the well. He's waiting because he knows he has a date. He has an appointment that the Father God has already shown him, has already sent him to ahead of time. He already knew. So he's waiting for her. So she comes over and he's like, Well, give me a drink. His disciples had gone away. They went to go buy food. So here he is alone with a woman, which is unheard of, okay? Back in Jesus' time, women were considered second-class citizens. They didn't have any rights. They couldn't worship. They had to be in the outer courts of the synagogue. They weren't allowed to pray the prayers. Even at dinner, they weren't allowed to be taught the Torah. They were looked down as just property of their husbands. Their husbands could divorce them. Um, I guess, from what I understand, the maximum was three times. As we read on, this woman was divorced five times. The men could discard her, their wives, just throw them away. Now, the women couldn't do that. They were um, there basically as servants to their husbands. They cooked. They're clean. If they had children and the children were females, they weren't allowed to go to school. They stayed home with mom and did all the mom business. If they had uh, male sons, they could go on to school. So there was a real discrimination against women. You know, we think the women broke free in the 1900s, you know, and could vote and stuff. This was, this was compared to the days of Afghanistan, you know, where the veils, they had to wear the veils. Um, they weren't allowed to be in the same room with a, a male. If, they had, if their husband had another man over for dinner, they had to have dinner in another room. So here Jesus is talking to this woman. He's like, give me a drink. I, you know, I'm thinking, I can't imagine what she thought. She must have thought, okay, this guy is either, you know, wanting something or, you know, he's either wants something from me or he's setting me up. You know, I'm going to wind up being stoned to death after this because this never, ever happened. They weren't allowed. Jesus was breaking every law right there, right then. 
So in 9, it says, the woman of Samaria said to him, well, how is that you, being a Jew, she knew he was a Jew from the way that he dressed and his beard and everything, ask a drink from me. I'm a Samaritan woman. Jews have no dealings with us. And in 10, Jesus said to her, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. So in 11, she said to him, well, sir, you have nothing to drink with. How can you, what are you even talking about? What, what are you talking about? You can't get to this well. How can I possibly, how can you possibly have, get a drink and be able to have this drink that you're talking about? And 11, she says, well, where then do you get this living water? She started to connect with him by him just saying a few words to him. Think about this. It would be like, you know, today walking around with Bill Johnson where revelation is just being opened, you know, right in front of you. She's at the well. He's sitting there. All of a sudden, the presence of God is there. The love, the respect, the honor this man, because she was on the defense really strong at first. Well, 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 wait a minute. You know, she's getting a little, you know, rough there, a little tough. You know, like, uh, what, are you, what are you doing asking of me? But then he starts speaking. The heavens open up and revelation starts happening. So she's like, well, wait a minute. Are you talking about our father, Jacob? Now all of a sudden she <laughs> combined the two. Oh, wait a minute. She's making a connection here. Our father, before it was like a Jew and a Samaritan. Uh-uh. Now all of a sudden, our father? Jacob, wait a minute. Do you know something that I don't know? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, she says, who gave us this well? And in 13, Jesus said to her, well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said, okay, sir, I, I, want, I want this water. Give me this water. She started to see he's got something. This man, he's, he's somebody different. He's not like all the others. He's different. So he says to her, well, go, go call your husband. And she's like, oh, no. She said to him in 17, well, in, in 17, she said, the woman answered and says, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you've said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one who is with you now is not your husband. You spoke truly. Now, she could have made up anything. She could have said, I'm not married. Or she could have said, oh, he's out, you know, taking care of the sheep or whatever, you know, he was doing, whatever his trait was at that time. But she knew. She was speaking to the king of kings. She couldn't lie. She said, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You're right. You don't. He's living with you. This is how this woman was so disrespected. Five husbands threw her away. And then the one that she is with won't even marry her. 
the rejection, the orphan spirit of not being connected, of not being wanted, of not being loved. But she told him the truth because of that revelation, because of the king of kings that she was speaking to. So she says to him, well, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Okay, this guy's different. He knows something. He wasn't bashing her. He wasn't trashing her. He was bringing truth and life back into her life by saying, I get it, sweetie. I understand. I know where you've been, and I know where you're at. But I know I have a date <laughs> with you. That was assigned when I was back in Galilee. I have a date with you to bring the king of kings to you. He wasn't trashing her. He was respecting her. He was honoring her. If you think about it all the times with the Lord, with the prostitute at his feet, washing his feet with his, her tears and wiping his feet with her hair, anointing it with the most costly uh, a year's life savings of anointing oil. Why? This man loved unconditionally those that were unloved. I remember hearing, I can't remember who it was a while ago, one of the Bill or Chris Valentin and, and saying that here, the king of kings was born of a virgin, but as other people in the land saw it as an illegitimate child, that other people in the land would see Mary having a child before wedlock, which was not heard of. And look at, look at what he has done to that over and over and over and still does to this day. He has turned that situation completely around and pours love on the most unwanted, on the most unloved, which is us, right? I perceive you're a prophet. Wow, you're telling me things that I do not know. One of the things when I was researching, um, it was noon when Jesus was at the well, okay? Traveling all day, hot. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. 140 degrees, right? You know, hot. He comes to the well. This woman came out at noon to get her water. Because she didn't come in the morning. She didn't come in the evening when everyone else did in the cool of the morning or when it was cooler because of her shame. She was so ridden with shame and guilt because of her past and because of the life that she was living right then. She didn't want to see the town's people. They all knew her. She had a name. Of course, they don't give us her name in here. She had a name in town, and she wasn't proud of it. So she says, wow, this guy knows something. The revelation that he's opening, the love, the warmth. This is what Jesus walked around in all the time. So much love and so pure that the miracles and the signs and wonders were normal. 
it says that there was there were so many marvels, so many miracles that the Lord did that they could not write them all down, that it could not be contained. So to me, in my mind, I'm like, that means he lived, he breathed miracles. He was a walking miracle machine. That's what he walked in. That's how he touched lives. That's why there were thousands of people coming around all the time to meet with him, to be at his feet, to listen, because that's who he was. He was a miracle. So she's like, wow, this guy, is, he's a prophet. He's got something. He's different than all the rest. I, this love that I'm feeling, this change in my heart that I have never experienced from any man, and she's had six that we know of, this man is so different. So then she, asked, she says to him, well, our fathers, she wants to know more. She's like, okay, okay, I, I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to get revelation here. Now, in 20, it says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is where we ought to worship. She's like, what, what do I do? Where do I, where do I worship? I want to know more. I, I want to follow you. I want to. Show me, tell me. So Jesus goes on and he says in uh, 21, he says, well, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain or in Jer Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. 23, but the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So can you imagine what she's thinking? She's like, okay, well, I don't worship in Jerusalem. I don't go up on the mountain. He's telling me I need to worship in truth. I mean, I, you know, just put yourself in her place for a moment. She'd probably think, well, how on earth do I do that? How do I worship in spirit and in truth? What is, what is, he, tell, what is he saying? I have to know more. What is this? And what the Lord is saying to her that worship is a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's not just when we come to church on Sunday or Wednesday or when we turn the music on. It's a walk that we walk in, that we walk in worship, that we walk in reverence and adoration to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's when we worship, when we are going through hell here on earth and we're worshiping. That's truth. And that's in the spirit. That's not in the flesh. How hard is it to worship when you're going through it? Worshiping in the spirit is taking it to a whole new level and looking through his lenses and seeing it the way the Father sees it, like Jesus knew he had a date. He had a date with a Samaritan woman and town as we go on. And then she says, she knew what she was saying. I believe she was, she was connecting at that point with so much revelation. In 25, she says, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. 
when he comes, he'll tell us all these things. I think she was putting that out there before him saying, could he, could he be, could he be? I don't want to come right out and ask him. So I'll just present it this way. Well, I know the Messiah is coming, and he's going to tell us everything. She knew because the revelation was open and she was connecting. And then Jesus in 26 says, I who speak to you, I am him. I put myself in her place and I would have been, like fell to the ground, fell to my knees and been so excited at the same time. So humbled, but so excited. Oh, the king, the, 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 the Messiah is talking to me? Out of everything he could have been doing, he's sitting here talking to me. Look at that value. Look at that honor. Look at that respect, that joy that that put in her that she has not, never seen because she has been torn up, beat up, thrown out, discarded. And here, the king of kings sitting there having a good old chit-chat with her. I'll rock your world. <laughs> I love this. 27. So at this point, his disciples come, and they marveled <laughs> that he was talking to a woman. Okay, the poor apostles, the disciples, before they had the Holy Spirit, I mean, they were so lost in it all. You know, they're trying to grab onto every bit of revelation they possibly can from the Lord. And I could hear them saying, you know, Jewish people, Ave, you know, oh my God, you know, what is he doing? He's talking to a woman. We're all going to be killed. We're going to be arrested, you know. And I could hear them, their thoughts, oh, no, no, you know, what is, she do what is he doing? Well, they didn't say anything. So I marvel at that. <laughs> they were quiet. They were like, all right, usually when we open our mouth or say something, we're wrong. So, shh, 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 guys, shh, Peter, shh, quiet. Everybody be quiet. Let's just see what's happening here. What is he doing? Why is he talking to this woman and a Samaritan, two double, you know, double whatever's Not good. <laughs> the woman then left her water pot. Now, from what I understand, you know how you see in, paper, you know, in pictures or movies or documentaries where the water pots are like huge ceramic-type things. They held five gallons of water, you know, so you didn't have to make trips all day long. She left her precious water. She left it there and ran off into town, which she does not go into town. Okay, she doesn't hang out, she doesn't go shopping because everybody just um, disrespects her. So she doesn't even go near that place. She put, left her water. She is so filled with excitement. She is so filled with joy. Oh my gosh, I've got to tell everybody. I've got to tell everybody in the world who I just met and, and, and what he said about me. So in 29, she says, come. She goes, see the man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So they went out of the city and they came to him. She was so excited. She didn't go. She wasn't out there. Oh, uh, oh I'm shamed. I am shamed. He just put me to disgrace. He told me what a, 
adulterous life that I have led. He told, he, she didn't go on about any of that because that's not what she heard at all. That's not what he spoke to her. That's what everybody in the town has said. But the king of kings said, oh, sweetheart, I can give you living water that you will never thirst again. I love you and I respect you and I honor you so much that daddy, father, had an appointment with you. She walked away from there encouraged and filled and ready to just evangelize the whole territory by one meeting. So, of course, everybody knows who she is. Everybody knows what she has walked in. She probably was one of the most disgraced and oppressed, depressed women in the land. They see a transformation before their eyes. They're like, oh, we got to go see this man. We have to go see what she's talking about because this is not the same person that we knew. Who is this new woman? In 31, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat, the Italian, eat, eat, eat. Come on, eat. You know, Jewish, Jewish people the same way. Eat, eat, eat. Manja. That's the Italian part. But, you know, eat. You've got to strengthen yourself. And 32, he says, I have food to eat of what you do not know. <laughs> Can you imagine the uh, disciples in 33? So they look at each other like, oh, no, no, no. What do we say? What do we do? I know this is a setup. I know he's going to bring some great revelation, and we have no idea. Maybe he ate while, while we were here. I, you know, they think. They're like, food. What? He had nothing. 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He did what the Father sent him to do. He was so full and satisfied by doing what the Lord had sent him, the Father, the King of Kings, sent him to do. To meet that Samaritan woman. To breathe life back into a life that was dead, basically. That needed resurrection. He says, so I, I have food that you don't even know of. And 35, he says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So at first, it sounds like he's talking about farming, you know harvest and sowing and reaping. So you can imagine the poor disciples. I'm so thankful we have the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we'd be in the same place. The disciples are like, wait, wait, wait a minute. We're farming. Wait a minute. Now what? Now what is he talking about? The harvest is white, ready. What? What is he talking about? You know, they don't say anything because they look stupid. So they're just going to let Jesus talk up. I'm going to read 36 again. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. I think when he said eternal, they might have been like, okay, okay, he's talking spiritual here. All right, he's talking about sowing into lives and reaping from that. You know, they're, they're trying to figure it out in their mind 
what, he's, what he is actually saying to him. And he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in, 37, for in this, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. 38, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. I can imagine the disciples are like, all we did was go get food. We don't know what happened. We came back. This, he's talking to a woman, which is, you know, illegal. And she's a Samaritan, scum of the earth in their eyes. And then she's so excited and goes running out of here, going and telling everybody all around, look at what this man said. Look what this man did for me. And they're like, reaping laborers? <laughs> I can't imagine what they were thinking, you know, until the Holy Spirit comes and brings that revelation of the life of that woman that the Lord had sown into or what lives people may have beforehand have sown into her that may have been good. And then the harvest is ready. She was ready. She was so down and out that she was so ready to receive some good news. Some good news. 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman. One woman. One woman. He told me all that I ever did. And 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. None of this was an accident. This was all pre-planned, predestined for the Lord to be there at that moment. We have to think about our own lives. No matter what situation, no matter what we're going through, Papa knows and if we, like the woman at the well, goes after that water that you'll never, ever thirst from again, which is him, you'll find your way out of that place, out of that place of desperation, out of that place where it looks so bleak and so depressed that you don't think there would ever be another way. Father's saying, oh, I've got it. I've got it. It's already pre-planned. I'm going to get you out of it. God did not plan for her to have five marriages and a sixth boyfriend, but he planned to redeem her life, her situation. She, was, she became an evangelist like that, transformed like that, because she heard, she believed So he stayed there for two more days to teach, to preach, to walk in miracles, to heal, to deliver, to transform lives because that's what Jesus does. <laughs> that's who he is. He doesn't know how to do anything else but heal the sick, bring them to salvation, bring the revelation, showing them the right way. That's all he knows how to do. That's all the Father is doing. Everything that is good, everything that is holy, everything that is pure. 
That's what he does. Two days. Can you imagine that woman, like I had said earlier, the king of kings is sitting here talking to me? And now the king of kings is sitting there for two days talking to the Samaritans, people who the Jews would have nothing to do with. They were a disgrace to them. I can't imagine what the apostles were thinking the whole entire time. That must have been a riot. 42, 41, and many more believed because of his own word. 42, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed, the Christ, he is the Savior of the world. The miracles, the signs, the wonders, the revelation, that which Jesus is and what he does and has not stopped in our lives. In 43, I, you know, John 4 is all about the transformation, but it, uh, the Lord did miracles all the time. That's all he did. So I can't leave out 43 and um, on to 53. Now, after two days, he departed there and he went to Galilee. 44, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they had also gone to the feast. And 46, so Jesus came to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. So everybody remembered that one. They were like, that was the best party ever at the wedding. They remembered him. They remembered him because of, that miracle. So they're like, okay, we want to hang out with him. We believe. 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of, oops, I'm sorry, go back to 46. So Jesus came to Canaan of Galilee where he made the water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman there whose, name, whose son was sick at Capernaum. Went in 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to see him and he implored to him, come heal my son for he is at the point of death. 48, Jesus said to him, unless you people see the signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. 49, the nobleman said to him, sir, come down please before my child dies. And Jesus said, go on your way. Your son lives. The man then believed what he heard. He believed the word. He believed the word. This is his word. He believed what he said. And his son was healed. And when his servants came running to him to meet him, because I'm sure there was a distance, you know, no cars, right? No planes, no trains. Walking, his servants came and said, your son's alive. He's alive. And he said, when? When did this happen? And it was at the same hour when the Lord said, go. He lives. He believed what the Father, what the Lord said. 
So many times we, we're like the, the woman at the well and we're walking in that place of despair. When we have the living Lord walking with us second by second, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. We have an appointment with him. We have a date with daddy all the time. Whenever we want, whenever he's there to hear, to heal, to take you out of that place of despair, to take you out of that place of walking through hell and getting out of it where there's light at the end of the tunnel, which is him. In one of the studies that I was listening to, when they talked about um, the five husbands, the one man, and they said Jesus was the seventh man, the final, the complete package. That she would never, ever thirst again because only he can satisfy only he can fulfill us. Only he can. Some of us have that abandoned um, life where we've been abandoned, where maybe we weren't wanted by parents, by siblings, by spouses, by even our own peers or our own selves, just like this woman. I'm going to ask if you have that pain, that hurt, that rejection, where you've tried everything in the world, everything to fix it, to feel complete, and you're still not. I'm going to ask you to be bold and because the Lord, boy, he, he reacts on that faith to come up and we're going to pray. And we're going to break that orphan spirit because we're not orphans. Our daddy is the king of kings. He has a date with you every moment of the day. He has an appointment with you. So I'm going to just ask you to come forth. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray that that rejection is healed, that pain is gone. I'll wait. I have nowhere to go. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the bold ones, Lord, and more bold ones. What the Lord was showing us in the woman of the well, the church, is that Samaritan. That is us. Where we've got stuff that the world has done to us. And Daddy wants to heal, and Daddy wants to fix it for us. So come on. It's not just, women. It's not just a woman thing tonight, guys. Seventh, the complete, complete 
husband, King of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay, ladies, brave ones. <laughs> the rest of you can stand too. We're going to put out our hands like it's Christmas. Because this is how we receive, right? That nobleman heard, believed. Jesus said it's done, and he believed. Because he believed, it was completed in his son. So I'm going to have you repeat after me and everybody if you'd like to. Father God, here I am. All yours. I don't want to try anything else. I want you. I want all of you in me. I want that water that I will never thirst again, which is you. You are the living water. So come in and fill me. Wash away all of my hurt, all of my pain, all of my rejection. Those lies, take them. Jesus. Take all the discouragement, Lord, and fill me with your peace and your love, your presence, that I have a date <laughs> with my daddy. Every moment, you're always there. And I thank you. He's such a good, good daddy. Spend time with him. As I close, just remember, girls, you can stay, you can lay down, you can go to your seat, whatever you would like to do. Just remember daddy's waiting to spend time with you, to go deeper, so we're not carrying around Six husbands, and whatever that looks like to each one of us, doesn't mean it's an actual husband. Areas of pain and hurt. Daddy can heal it all, even just by his word. He can heal it all. So I bless you guys. Jim, do you want to close it or whatever it is we're doing? <laughs> Hello, hello, Alan. Alan. <laughs> Let's give Lindy a hand there. That was a great word on John Orr. So thank you. So I'll reiterate, we are not, we will not be here next Wednesday, but we will be here in two two weeks. So, but we have the, yeah, I talked about Thanksgiving.
for next week. Uh, but we will be on John chapter 5 in two weeks. So you have two weeks to read John chapter 5 and be all prepared for that. Well, we are going to break into our small groups. So if you want to head out, if this is your first time here with us tonight, basically we go out, grab a table, find one that has an opening, have a seat, and we just discuss what we've just learned in John 4 and um, some of the different table leaders might have some questions and if you need prayer, whatever it is, this is your time for community and an opportunity to fellowship and meet others in our body and become family. So let's all go out to the table. So God bless you guys.